0: On this edition of the Bellator Christie podcast, we take a look at Jeremiah chapter 1 in the message Can God Use Me? Who said- Listening to the Bellator Christi podcast brought to you by bellatorchristi.com. Now join your host, Brian Chilton, as we enter the arena of ideas. A look at who God is. Uh, Taking a look at the grandeur of God and some of his attributes. So that'll be coming in January. And we're going to have a few messages on evangelism coming up uh, later, later on, on this year. year. But, but today, today is a special day, day uh, because, because we're, we're cel- cel- celebrating the ordination of two men and to, uh, to, the, to the ministry of a deacon. And so we're going to be uh, talking uh, about that as we move along today. And we'll be ordaining them at the conclusion of our service. But with that in mind, Uh, God has had me kind of in a retro mood here uh, the past few weeks because He's led me to bring my favorite message of all time to preach. And it comes from the book of Jeremiah chapter 1. And we'll be especially focused in on verses 4 through 10 today. We're asking a simple question. A question I want you to ask yourself. Can God use me? That's the question. Can God... Use me. Can He use someone like me to do something great? Can He use someone like me to fulfill His purposes? And that's the question we must ask this morning. So we want to ask everyone, if you will, in honor of the reading and hearing of God's precious Holy Word, if you'll please stand at this time. As given a backdrop, uh, we're talking about the call of Jeremiah to the gospel ministry this morning. Uh, but as a backdrop, we're going to focus in on verses 4 through 10. But, but as a backdrop, we're going to read verses 1 through 3 to kind of let you know uh, what's going on. It says, The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, of the priests who were at Anathoth in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the thirteenth year of his reign. It came also in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the end of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the carrying away of Jerusalem captive in the fifth month. Try saying that five times fast. Uh, that's uh, definitely a tongue twister. So this is giving the backdrop about who Jeremiah is and what's going on. But then in verse 4, it says, Then the word of the Lord came to me. This is Jeremiah's own testimony. When, when the word, word of the Lord, Lord is, is spoken, as God's, God's presence is speaking to a person, God's Spirit is speaking to a person, uh, whenever the prophet says the Word of the Lord, that, that means that they are giving a divine revelation straight from God Himself. So then the Word of the Lord came to me saying this, and I want you to really focus in on verse 5. If you feel unloved... If you feel like your life doesn't have a purpose, then you need to focus on verse 5. God says to Jeremiah, and I think He says to every single one of us, these very words. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Did you catch that? Before you were even an afterthought in your mother's mind... Before the first star was created, before the first galaxy was ever set in motion, before the universe came to be, God knew you and loved you. Is that giving through to you? Because I don't know if it is because I, I, I'm, I'm feeling something special here. That before the universe ever came into existence, God knew you and had a plan for your life. So if you ever feel unloved, or if you think that your life is a mistake, think again. Because before you were ever even born, God knew you. And he says, before you were born, I sanctified you, I set you apart. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. That means God God had a purpose for your life before you were ever even born. But But now now listen listen to to what what Jeremiah says in response to this revelation. revelation. Then said, I, our Lord God... Behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. Jeremiah was only 15 years old when this happened to him. 15 years old. He says, I can't go and speak as a prophet. I'm a youth. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am a youth, for you shall go to all to whom I send you. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put forth His hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down, to destroy and throw down, to build and to plant. Dear kind and gracious Heavenly Father, we just pray this morning that Your Holy Spirit would fall down upon this place. That Lord, as you spoke to Jeremiah, that you would speak to each and every heart and each and every life. Maybe there's someone here today that feels that their life is a mistake. Maybe there's someone here today who feels like their life has no purpose. Lord, we pray that through your Holy Spirit, that through this message, that you would let us all know that we have a divine calling upon our lives. Let us all know that you have a divine love for us in our lives, and that you have something for every single one of us to do. Our lives in you have purpose, they have value, and they have meaning. And help us to understand that this morning. Lord, we also ask this morning that you would allow me through your Spirit to speak the words that need to be spoken, and also through your Spirit to hold back any words that don't. And we ask through all these things, Lord, that you grant us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts that are responsive to your calling and to your truths. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may be seated. I read this story a few years ago, and I found it fascinating. Now, I want to say I have the greatest admiration for our men and women in the armed forces. I saw a video not long ago of boot camp for the Marine Corps, and oh my goodness, that's hardcore stuff, I'm telling you what. But I have a, a great admiration for our men and women in, the, in, the, in all branches of the military. And my grandpa was in the, the Navy, so I say this with the greatest respect. story. Give this this story with the greatest respect, but understanding that we are human beings and that mistakes happen. And such was the case uh, from an actual radio conversation of a U.S. naval ship with Canadian authorities off the coast of Newfoundland in October of 1995. The conversation went something like this. The The Canadian Canadian stated, Please divert divert your course 15 degrees to the south to avoid a collision. The Americans said, I recommend you divert your course 15 degrees to the north to avoid a collision. The Canadian said, negative, you will have to divert your course 15 degrees to the south to avoid collision. The Americans said, this is the captain of a U.S. Navy ship. I say again, divert your course. The, the Canadians, Canadians responded, no, I say again, you divert your course. The American captain says, this is, the, uh, this is the aircraft carrier USS Lincoln, the second largest ship in the United States Atlantic Fleet. We are accompanied with three destroyers, three cruisers, and numerous support vessels. I demand that you change your course 15 degrees north. I say again, that's one five degrees north or countermeasures will be undertaken to ensure the safety of this naval ship the response date was given by the canadians sir this is a lighthouse use your own judgment <laughs> i don't think they would be able to move the lighthouse <laughs> but many times as humorous as that is if we think about this many times our conversations go the same way god has a calling on our lives He calls us to do something great, and we bask in the glory and grandeur of who God is. But when He calls us to do something for Him, what do we say? Oh, Lord God, I can't for this reason or for that reason. Do we not do the same thing to God? I believe we do. Well, we see a clear example of this very thing in this conversation that Jeremiah has with God Himself. This message is very simple. It has two parts. We're going to first look at the human response given to God of excuses. And the second response is one, a divine response given of an explanation as to why Jeremiah could do what God was calling him to do. So first, let's take a look at Jeremiah's human response of excuses. Now, I love gospel music of all kinds. I love contemporary and I love southern gospel music as well. How many of you have ever heard of the Kingsman Quartet? Anyone ever heard the Kingsman Quartet? They had a song that I absolutely love. It's called Excuses. Anyone heard that song? Yeah, I love that song. And one of the things, it shows how we're never really satisfied and we always offer excuses. For instance, one, one of the, one of the, one one of the lyrics, lyrics go like this. It says, Well, the preacher, he's too young, or maybe he's too old. The sermons, they're not hard enough, or maybe they're too bold. His voice is much too quiet-like. Sometimes he gets too loud. We need to have he needs to have more dignity, or else he's way too proud. Well, the sermons they're too long, and maybe they're too short. They uh, he ought, ought to, to preach the, the word with, with dignity, dignity instead of stomp and, stomp and snort. Well, well that preacher, preacher we, we got must be the world's most stuck-up man. Well, one of the ladies told me the other day in a high-pitched voice, he goes, he didn't even shake my hand. And then the chorus goes on to say, Excuses, excuses, you'll hear them every day. And the devil, he'll supply them if the church you stay away. When people come to know the Lord, the devil always loses. So to keep those folks away from church, he offers them, what? Excuses. And isn't that so true? God calls us to do something and we'll offer every excuse under the sun as to not do it. Well, what are some of the excuses that Jeremiah gives. Well, they're the same type of excuses we give the Lord all the time. First of all is the excuse of faith. Now, I want to tell you something. I really like the book of James. Some people don't like like James, James, but I really really do. do. Because James, he's not saying that faith faith is is a work-based salvation. He doesn't preach that at all. But what he is saying is this. You say that you have faith. Faith without works is a dead faith. Because faith without acting in faith is not faith at all. And Jeremiah come to this understanding. Because notice in verse 6, notice his first words. He says, Ah, Lord God. Do you you notice the capitalization of the word God there? It's in all caps. Well, there's a reason why in the Old Testament sometimes the word Lord and sometimes the word God is in all caps. It's because that word signifies the personal name of God which is the name Yahweh. All of the names of God demonstrate one or more of His of divine attributes, the divine attributes of God. God. And, and the name, name Yahweh means, I am who I am, or I will be whom I will be. What it denotes is that God relies on absolutely nothing. He doesn't need air to breathe. He doesn't need water to drink. He doesn't need food to eat. He doesn't need money. He doesn't need riches, He doesn't need a house, He doesn't need anything. God depends on absolutely nothing, yet everything depends on God. Without God, the universe would not exist. In fact, if it were not for God holding His hand on the universe, everything would fly apart at the seams. I mean, there's such an order to the universe that should not be. It's only because God has His hand on creation. So the personal name of God, Yahweh, the the sovereign God of creation, the one upon whom everything depends upon. Jeremiah understood this because he called upon the personal name of God, but he also joins that together with the word Lord, which means Adonai, which means master, sovereign ruler. So what he's saying is all sovereign God who can do all things and, and, and bring all things to pass the God of all creation, my Lord and my Master, I can't. Did Did you catch catch that? He just said, gave a statement of faith saying that God can do all things, that God has the power to bring things about, but then he goes on to say, you're calling me to do this, but I can't. Well, you know what? We can't, but God can. God has the power to do things that we don't have the power to do. It kind of reminds me of that that M&M commercial. commercial. You remember remember that M&M commercial commercial a few few years back back with the little little red M&M? He's playing a piano and he says, I would do anything for love. And then people start trying to eat him. And he says, but I won't do that, and I won't do that, and I won't do this, and I won't do that. Is that not what we do to God? Now, we're not M&Ms and God's not trying to eat us. But God is calling us to do something great. And don't we do the same thing to God? He calls us to do something, and, and we he says, says Lord, I'll Lord, I'll do anything, anything for, you, for you, but I can't, I can't do this, and I can't do that, do that, and I won't do this, and I won't do that. Where is our faith in such a response? You see, faith is a dependence, a trust upon God to do something that we can't do on our own. So when we step out on faith, we're depending and trusting that God is going to see things through. Do we have the faith to do what, what God, God is calling us to, to do? And, and that's, that's a question, question that God poses uh, to Jeremiah in this passage of Scripture. But also notice another uh, statement that he gives. He says, Oh Lord God, I cannot speak. What he's saying is that I don't have the ability, I'm a young man, I don't have the ability to go forth and preach this message of judgment. Most likely Jeremiah was much like myself. He was probably more of an introverted person. Uh, he was probably a little bit more of a bashful, shy person. Uh, he was one more who was more reserved but God was calling him to go forth and preach a message of judgment to the people that if you don't turn around, judgment's coming. That if you'll turn back to the Lord, you'll be spared of judgment. But if you keep walking in your ways the way you are, God's going to bring judgment and, and it'll, it'll come, come swift it'll come, and, and it'll, it'll come surely. So, so he, he was, was calling him to do this task that Jeremiah knew that of his own power he could not do. But God was essentially saying to him, Before you were ever created, I knew you. I already appointed you for this. You of your own ability can't do this, but me working through you, you can. So let's take a look at the different people throughout the biblical narrative. Skills. If you feel like you're adequate to do a work for the Lord, then you probably don't need to do it. quite frankly, because God's not going to call people who feel that they're called he's going to quali- or feel that they're qualified. He's going to qualify the called. For instance, think about Moses. Moses was not a good speaker. In fact, many people believe that Moses may have had a little bit of a speech impediment There may may have been been something something wrong with his speech, which which may may have have disallowed him from being the public speaker that everybody wanted. He wouldn't have been the one that everybody would have first chosen or wanted to be the, the leader of the pack. Yet God called him. He says, listen, I'll give you Aaron to be your spokesperson. But Aaron was only spokesperson for a little while. Despite his inability, God called Moses to do a great task. For, it, throughout, throughout the, the New, New Testament, Testament, you see that most of the apostles. apostles weren't trained collegiately. But however, there were some who were called who were. Like Paul and Luke and Matthew and Barnabas and many others. God used all these individuals to do a great task. Those who may have had gifts... Uh, in certain areas, and those who may have had gifts in other areas. Understand, it's not about your skill set. That's That's not what matters. What matters matters is is that you have the faith and trust to follow God wherever He leads. Secondly, there's an issue of personality. If you think about, I can identify with King David. When you think of a preacher or a person, a stately person, normally they're tall and skinny and have a lot of hair. Well, I'm short and not skinny and losing my hair. So So I'm just the exact opposite. And David, David, bless his heart, he wasn't the stately figure that Saul was. He wasn't the first choice. But God used him to do great things. Think about Abraham who was a timid man. Abraham who was so shy that when they went to Egypt, he told the Pharaoh that Sarah was his sister instead of his wife because he was afraid of what Pharaoh would do to him. Abraham was a timid man, whereas Samson was so outgoing, he's probably on the verge of being obnoxious. I don't think Samson would be a guy that you want to hang around much. He'd probably drive you crazy. But nonetheless, God used both of them to do great things. The Apostle John and Barnabas were most likely reserved. However, Paul was more of an extroverted person, and Peter, bless his heart, couldn't keep his mouth shut. He was always sticking his foot in his mouth, amen? He's, He's always, always saying, saying the, the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. Despite all of that, God used them to do great things. Mary was too young uh, to, to have had a child rest. Sarah was too old to have had a child. And we'll talk about that in a moment. Location. Some people say, well, I didn't come from uh, the right area. I came from the wrong side of the tracks. Well, guess what? Amos was a guy who was an old country, country preacher, preacher who God, God called, called to, used, do, to do great things. things. Whereas Isaiah and Ezekiel were called in a royal court to preach to the king. No matter where you're born, no matter what limitations you may place upon yourself, God can use you to do great things. What about your past? What about your past? You may have done some things in the past. You say, that disqualify me from being used of God? Well, well Noah, Noah was, was a drunk and John the Baptist, Baptist was a teetotaler. And God used both of them. Amen? God used both of them. Uh, If you you think about this, quite frankly, Matthew was a tax collector and Simon was a zealot. And zealots wanted to kill anybody associated with the Roman government. So how did Jesus pull that off? You have a zealot and a tax collector in the same group. And they were able to to get along together. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. God can use you if you're simply willing to take a step out on faith. Third, there's the issue of experience. He says, Our Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. Jeremiah was 15 years old when he received the call of God. Can God use Jeremiah? Absolutely, He could. Now, I know, I know our, our kids is not going to work quite, quite the way it, way it did in the, the 830, 830 service, because, because our kids are back there, they're in children's church. Let me ask you this question. Can God use kids? Amen. <laughs> Amen. Well... What does the Bible say? Well, there was a little boy who brought fish and bread to Jesus. And from that gift of offering, that gift of sacrifice given by the boy, this is the only lunch he had to eat. He He gave it to Jesus. Jesus, And what did Jesus Jesus do? He split it and broke it up and fed 5,000 people. More likely, 20,000 people by the time you count women and children. All because of what a little boy brought to Jesus. What about our teenagers? Do we have teenagers in here? Do we have any teenagers? If you will, raise your hand. Oh, come on. Raise them up high. Raise them up high. Brian Manuel, he says he's a teenager back there. I don't know if Tammy's going to agree with that. All right, right, come come on. on. Keep Keep your hands raised. raised. Our teenagers. Come Come on, on. raise them up so I can see it. Everybody can see it, it. All the way up. All the way up. Can God use our teenagers? Amen. Amen. The Bible says this. We understand by looking at the Bible and doing background information, we find that Jeremiah was 15 years of age. Mary, the mother of Jesus was most likely 14 when she had Jesus. 14. Can Can you imagine that? John, if you do the chronology uh, back from, if, if he was pastor in Ephesus all the way back, John the Apostle was most likely 17 to 20 whenever he was called by Jesus to be one of the apostles. Did God use John? Absolutely He did. He wrote an amazing gospel in three letters that bear his name. And also, in my opinion, wrote the book of Revelation. So God can God use teenagers? Absolutely. What about young adults? Now, I've got to be careful here. Twenties and thirties, we'll call them young adults. How many young adults do we have? If you're 20 or 30 years old, raise your hand. Oh, come on, raise them up. Raise them up. A lot of people are doing this number. Raise them up. Okay, here we go. Can God use our young adults? What was that? Amen, Amen. Amen. He, he can. Uh, David, David was in his, in his late teens, late teens to early 20s. 20s. Ruth was in her 20s. There's a plethora of other people who were in their 20s who were called by God to do something great. All right, now I'm feeling a little old now. What about the middle-agers? We're going to say 40s and 50s and early 60s. I'm getting myself in trouble here. I just do that. 40s and 50s and early 60s. If you're before, before the age, age of, of retirement, retirement, what do they, what they call, call it, 64, 65, something like that? All right, so, so if, if you're, you're 40s to the age of retirement, raise your hand. All right, raise them all the way up. All right. Can God use our... I don't know if it's the right term, middle-agers. Is that right, the right way to even put that? Can God use these folks? Come on, that was the weakest of all. <laughs> Amen. He can use them. Isaiah was around the age of 50. Amos was around the age of 50 when he was called of God. And there were many other prophets around the ages of 50 and 60 when they received the call of God. Now, here's where I get in trouble. What about our senior citizens? If you're 65 plus, uh, do we have any of our seniors here today? Come on, be proud of it. Raise them all the way up. Can God use our seniors? That was even weaker. Come on. Amen. Well, let's just take a look at the Bible. You know how old Moses was when he was called by God? Eighty years old. Moses was 80 years old when he was called by God to lead the people out of bondage. You know how old Sarah was? Anybody around the age of 90? Well, I'll just say this. Sarah was 90 years old when she had her son. Anybody around the age of 90 thinks God's going to do that? (laughs) That she had her son at the age of 90. Abraham was 100 years old. They had no retirement. (laughs) Amen? They had no retirement whatsoever. Can God use our seniors... Absolutely He can. And in fact, He has done so many times over. You see, what I'm trying to bring out is I want you to know The the people who have influenced me most in life have been our seniors, have been seniors. Like Gilmer Denny, he was a man who took me under his wing, and I appreciate Gilmer Denny. What a wonderful man of God he was and still is because he's in heaven with the Lord. I I think think of of Clay Brown and and my my grandpa Odell Sisk and my grandpa uh, Roy Chilton and many others uh, who who, who wrapped me in their arms and, and built me up to the person I am today. Understand, beloved, we have a problem in our modern churches where we try to establish a a, a church for the seniors and a church for the youth. But there's not a church for the seniors and a church for the youth. There's one church together, and every single one of you, no matter how old or how young you are, you have a calling upon your life. And don't tell God that you're too old or too young to be used by Him, because He might just show you differently. Amen? He showed Jeremiah, he showed Moses, and many others. So the question is, are we going to be willing to follow God? So secondly, we see the divine response of explanation. So God basically tells Jeremiah, all of these excuses you're giving me, they're not going to work. They're not going to work, because God gives an answer for every one of our excuses. Notice, first of all, he gives the empowered explanation in verse 5. God knew, the, the, he knew what uh, Jeremiah was going to say before he said it. The Bible says that before a word is even, even on our, our tongue, God knows all about it.
1: So why are we going to argue with God? God?
0: How are you going to beat someone at a game of chess when he already knows the move you're going to make before you make it? He already knew, knows if you think you're going to change the move, he knows the move you're going to change before you even know that you're going to change it. How are you going to beat someone like that? Well, you can't. So every excuse we give to God, God has an answer for it. So notice he says in verse 5, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you, and I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Before you were ever even a thought in your mother's mind, God knew everything about you. He knew everything about your life. He knew how many hairs you had on your head, and mine are growing fewer every year. He knows, every, he knows how long you're going to live on planet earth. He knows everything there is to know about you. And the Bible says, God has an everlasting love for you. You have a purpose. Your life has meaning. Your life has value. Before the universe was created, God knew everything there is to know about you. In reality, God has a calling upon your life. Before you were ever born, God had a calling for your life and set you apart. God does not call you to fail. But understand this. Sometimes we feel like failures. But what, we, what seems to be like failures to us are successes to God. Because understand this. Jeremiah would go to a people and preach to them who most of them would not listen most of them would not respond. Isaiah was called to preach the same message. And God told, told him, him beforehand, beforehand, you're, you're going to preach this message. And most people aren't going to listen. But there are going to be a few who will. There will be a few lives that will be transformed. And there's evidence there were a few, just a handful of people in Isaiah's ministry and a handful of people in Jeremiah's ministry who did listen and were spared. Jesus says that He would leave the 90 and 9 to go find one little lost lamb. And, and I, I would, would say to, to you, brothers and sisters, if God, God only uses you to bring one person to faith, your life and ministry is a success. Because that's the person who's going to heaven who would not have otherwise gone if it had not been for you. It may be that you said a kind word. It may be that you brought a forth encouragement that spared someone from doing something to themselves. It, it may be that you done, done something that you may seem insignificant, insignificant to you. But it, 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 when you think about it in, from eternity, that God uses it to do something great with it. In reality, our lives are not linear. They're kind of like a spider web. Your life impacts numerous people around you for good or for bad. And if you allow God to direct your steps and to direct your paths, you can bless more people than you ever realize. I dare say that when you get get to heaven, heaven, there are going to be many people standing before you, thanking you for something you did that you didn't even realize you did, that eventually led them to faith. That's the type of God we serve. That's the type of power He has. So even though you may feel that your life is a failure, understand what others may use for bad, God will use for good. And, and that's, that's something, something we've got to remember. He's, He's going to empower us and use us to do something great. But there's also a directed explanation. Notice he says in verse 7, Do not say that I am a youth, for you shall go to all to whom I will send you. And whatever I command you, speak that. I remember Grandpa Sisk and Grandpa Chilton both telling me, saying, Brian, as long as when you preach, as long as you keep it between the two covers of this book, you're fine. But if but you, you go outside, outside this, you're on your, on. your own. And they warned me of that, and that's so true. God tells Jeremiah the same thing. If you speak what I tell you to speak, and you do as I call you to do, you're going to be completely fine. He's going to protect us. He's going to empower us, and He'll give us the words to speak. Jesus says in Matthew 10, 19, when you are arrested, don't worry about how to respond or what to say. God will give you the right words at the right time. God will put in your mouth the words that you need to speak. So we need to trust God to see us through. If God calls you to it, He'll bring you through it. And I believe that with all my heart. And last, we see the protected explanation. In verses 8 through 10, Do not be afraid of them, He says. A lot of times I think we allow fear to to rule our lives. But But how many many of you know today that God has not given us a spirit of fear? He's given us a spirit of power. He's given us a spirit of self-control. He's given us a spirit of love and compassion. And if you are in the will of the Holy Spirit, you're right where you need to be. Amen? If you are right where you need to be, then you don't need to be anywhere else. A lot of times we second-guess ourselves. And And we we say, what what if this or what if if that? But you know, know, I I think think about about my life, and even the stupid stuff I did in my life, I think God brought me to where I needed to be. Because God had His hand on me, even in the midst of doing some crazy stuff in my life. God had His hand on me. That's the type of God we serve. So don't fear what others think about you. Don't fear what others say about you. Don't fear what others could do, about, do to you. Because, because if God, God is, is for you, <laughs> who, who in the world could be, be against you? Amen? Amen? If you have the sovereign God of all creation on your side, then nobody can touch you. And even if they do, you know what? you got all of heaven. you got heaven. You got, you're rewarded with heaven. And God is the avenger who will bring all things to fruition in the end. Let me close with this. Here recently we've gotten into a regular practice of going to the beach and renting out a, a, a rental house. Now that we're in the process of building a house, that may be a few years down the road before we even worry about that anymore. But anyhow, uh, having said that, a lot of times we'll go to the beach and we'll rent out a house and we'll notice that sometimes we we'll go to this rental house and it's, it smells musty where somebody hasn't stayed in it for a while. In fact, this last house we stayed at at the beach is a wonderful house, but, but somebody, somebody had been, been cooking, cooking fish, fish in there. And, and it smelled it. like musty fish. It had a musty fish smell to it. So we turned on the air conditioners and finally opened the window, I think, and finally that smell got out of there. And after that, it wasn't any problem. But have you ever noticed, if someone's living in, if someone's somewhere, if someone's in a house, it seems like that house has life to it. But if, if, if there isn't, it seems like uh, there's, there's no, no life, life to it whatsoever. whatsoever. Uh, it it, it seems, seems like things, things go downhill down. over time. But that's the same way with our lives. If God is in control and God is in the driver's seat, then we're going to be right where we need to be. He gives us life. He gives us focus, He gives us direction, and He shows us the way in which we should go. You've probably seen the bumper sticker that says, God is my co-pilot. But I don't want want God God as my co-pilot. I want want Him him in in the the pilot seat. seat. Because Because if God is in the pilot seat, He'll guide us through any storm that we may face. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, let me ask you this this morning. Is God calling you to do something that you haven't responded to do just yet? If that's the case, I want to encourage you to come down now and respond and say, Lord, here I am, use use me.
1: Here I am, use me. Because at the end
0: of the day, the question is not, can God use me? The question isn't, will God use me? The question at the end of the day is, will I let God use me? And I tell you, church, if you don't let God use you, you know what? It's not going to stop His mission. He'll just simply use somebody else. He'll He'll simply simply use somebody somebody else to accomplish His purpose, to accomplish His mission. So is God calling you to do something today? If so, I encourage you to say this morning, here I am, Lord. Use me. The kind of gracious Heavenly Father, we thank You for the wonderful truths found in Your Scripture that before we were ever born, You had a purpose for our lives. That you loved us before creation was ever even made. And you had a calling upon each and every one of us. Help us, Lord, to just grasp a little taste of our purpose. Just a little taste of the love that you have for us. And Lord, we ask, Lord, for your will and your direction. Not only today, but for the days and months and years ahead. For the the two two who who are are coming coming to to be be deacons, deacons, to be ordained as deacons, we pray that your anointing would fall upon them, that you would guide them and direct them, Lord, and direct their paths. As they stepped out on faith to agree to do what can often be a very difficult task, we pray, Lord, that you would anoint them, that you would empower them, Lord. Help them not to fear, but to have a spirit of courage, boldness, power, and a sound Lord, if there's someone here today that doesn't know you as Savior of God, we pray that they would not leave these doors until they knew about the salvation that comes only through you and received you from the Lord himself. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Would you please stand for the same And listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast, brought to you by BellatorChristi.com. The opinions of our guests represent their own and may not reflect those of Bellator Christi Ministries or its affiliates. The Bellator Christie Podcast and BellatorChristi.com are protected under Creative Commons copyright, all rights reserved. The opening theme is the song Crucified, written by John and Michaela Limanis, performed by Crosby Lane and produced by Mansion Entertainment. In an increasingly secularized culture, Christians discover that their faith seems to be attacked from every perceivable direction. Since the dawn of the sexual revolution and the advent of the information age, regular Christians are confronted with discussions and ideas that were once only reserved for the ivory towers of academia. Without the time or finances to devote themselves to graduate-level studies, many Christians feel helpless as they encounter believers discarding their faith and the youth of the church walking away due to intellectual and emotional doubts. If you identify, then the Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics is for you. The Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics is written with a layperson in mind. In a simple and sometimes humorous fashion, I cover the essentials of Christian apologetics. The book builds a case for the Christian worldview by showing first the nature of truth, then constructing a case for the existence of God before displaying the amazing array of historical evidence for Jesus' resurrection and for the reliability of the New Testament. Be sure to pick up your copy of The Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics when it is published this December at bookstores everywhere, just in time for Christmas. Once again, please consider purchasing a copy of my book, The Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics, due out at bookstores everywhere this December. Thanks and God bless. Did you know that you can help the Bellator Christian Ministries by simply leaving a review? If you are enjoying this podcast, help us out by leaving a positive review on the app where this podcast is found. This helps increase the exposure of the podcast and helps others find it more easily. If you enjoy this podcast, leave a review. If not, send me an email. Either way, we want to thank you for supporting BellatorChristi.com and the Bellator Christi Podcast.